Welcome to the Flatline with your host, Rick Hughes. For the next 30 minutes, you'll be inspired, motivated, educated, but never manipulated. Now, your host, Rick Hughes. Good morning, and welcome to the Flatline. I'm your host, Rick Hughes, and for the next few minutes, please stay with me. It's obviously going to be a time of motivation, some inspiration, some education. And you know we do this without any type of manipulation because we don't con people here. We're not trying to solicit support. We're not trying to sell you anything. We're simply trying to give you some accurate information. Information that will help you orient and adjust to the plan of God. If I can verify it and identify it, then you can orient and adjust to the plan of God. That's up to you. But my job here as host of the Flot Line is to give you accurate information. Not some sort of human speculation, but accurate information. So thank you for listening. So many of you across the country in so many places. And I th- let me tell you how much I thoroughly enjoy hearing from you. I always love to hear from you. Letters or cards, not money. We're not asking you to send any money. But if you'd like to send us a note, you can always write to us at P.O. Box 100. That's not complicated. P.O. Box 100 in the city of Cropwell, Alabama. Cropwell, Alabama. Our zip code in Cropwell, Alabama is 35054. Drop us a note. Rick Hughes Ministries. P.O. Box 100. Cropwell, Alabama. 35054. And let us know if the Lord is using this show in your life in any way as we get ready to sign our contracts for the new years and uh, where we're going and where we're going to broadcast. We always love to hear from those folks that are listening in and let us know we are here with you. We're listening with you on a consistent basis. The last few weeks we've been talking about the difference between spirituality and carnality and uh, we want to continue that today. The reason I'm doing that is because on the flat line of your soul, the, the objective of having a flat line, the objective of having 10 unique problem-solving devices is, in fact, so that you can grow to be a mature believer, so that you can grow from spiritual self-esteem through spiritual autonomy to spiritual maturity. It's critical because that's when you begin to represent Jesus Christ to your family, to your friends, to your nation. And it's always my objective to point you in the direction of a well-qualified pastor. I'm not a pastor, I'm an evangelist, and so you could say I'm sort of a recruiter. I'm looking for those of you who have an ins- uh, just an increasing desire to want to grow spiritually. Those of you that are hungry for God's Word, and how can I get it consistently and daily? Because so many people don't want that. So many people are happy to go to church once or twice a week, and that fills their need. And I hope it doesn't fill your need because you're never going to reach spiritual maturity by going to church once or twice a week. There's more to it than that. And so as we talk about that today, I want you to listen very carefully to the things that I say if you're interested. That spiritual maturity is the divine objective for every believer in time. As long as you're here, God's plan for you is to become spiritually mature, just like Uh, A baby is born. One of my daughters just had a small child, and hopefully the child will grow and become a mature individual. You become a baby at the moment of your birth in Christ when you're saved. And God wants you to grow to be an adult Christian, a mature Christian. 
Spiritual maturity is the purpose <clears throat> for all the commands in the Bible. All of the scriptures related to time in the Bible. They're all there for the objective of you becoming spiritually mature and reflecting or representing Christ to those around you. It's the commander's intent, the intent of God himself. And the only way that you could bring any maximum glorification to your Lord Jesus Christ while you're here in this earth, here in time, right now, is that you grow to be a spiritually mature believer. And the reason is that's the basis for your rewards. It's the basis for all of the blessings you get in time and the basis for all the blessings you will get in eternity. So God has graced me out. He's graced you out. He's given us everything necessary for you and I to advance to spiritual maturity in our life. He's indwelled us with his Holy Spirit. He's told us how to be filled with the Holy Spirit by the rebound technique. He's provided a complete canon of Scripture or Bible for us. He's provided a local church so we can worship in privacy and grow in privacy. And he's provided men who have the spiritual gift of pastor-teacher. So with all of those assets... What God will not do is he will never infringe on your volition. He won't make you a robot. He gives you the choice. It's all there if you want it. But to be honest with you, frank with you, most people don't want in-depth Bible study. Maybe once a year, maybe a, a Bible study this week at our church, that's enough. Once a year, most people are so busy raising their family taking care of their job, they don't have time to grow in grace. And if you don't take time, if you don't make time for God, why would you expect God to give you the time of day? We're all responsible for our very own spiritual lives. Nobody else can do it for us. And the Father's command, intent, is very plain. Let me just read a few verses for you about growing up and becoming spiritually mature. Paul wrote this one in Ephesians 4.15. But speaking the truth in love, comma, we may grow up into him in all things, the one who is head, even Christ Jesus. This verse is the commander's intent that the spiritual gift of communication in Ephesians verse 11, Ephesians 4.11, the one I told you about, he has given some evangelists and some pastors and teachers the, con the commander's intent for giving that gift is Ephesians 4.15, that we grow up. The very fact that God the Father equipped men with a spiritual gift of pastor-teacher is an indication that he has a desire for us to grow up spiritually. Again, I will read from Paul, 2 Thessalonians 1.3. We are bound to thank God always for you, brethren, as it is fitting because your faith grows exceedingly, and as a result, your love is increased towards one another. That's right. As your faith grows, and faith comes by hearing the word of God, the more you learn, the more faith you have. Then your love increases, your brotherly love and your love for God. Peter wrote about it in 1 Peter 2, 2, as newborn babies desire the milk of the word so you may grow by means of it. The Net Bible translates it and yearn like newborn infants 
for pure spiritual milk that by it you may grow up to salvation. The nourishment for my growth and your growth must be, it has to be this, it is the untainted word of God and we need it every day. Peter again in 2 Peter 3.18, grow in the grace and in the knowledge of your Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. These are the commander's intent. 1 Peter 5.2, to the pastor, feed the flock of God which is among you. What's the idea of feeding the flock so that they can grow? Jeremiah 3.15, and I shall give you shepherds according to my heart who shall feed you with knowledge and understanding. Check that out. That is the job of the pastor, to give you the knowledge of the Word of God and the understanding of the Word of God. Listen to Nehemiah 8.8. So they read in the book, in the law of God, distinctly, and gave the sense and caused them to understand the reading. In other words, the prophets explained the very sense of what they read to the people so there would be no misunderstanding. There is some sort of misunderstanding today on the part of a few believers. The ones who think, I don't really need a pastor to help me learn the Bible. I actually meet some people that say, well, I can read it and study it for myself and I don't need a pastor. Well, that's not true. One book that I recently read <clears throat> emphasized how you could actually do that. Excuse me, just a minute. I got a frog in my throat. I got to get that frog out of my throat. Anyhow, one book I read, uh, this, this guy said that the average believer could read the Bible and grow in grace just if he tried the methods that were in that book. By the way, you had to buy his book. Yeah, that's right. Pay for it. His premise sounded correct, but it could be misunderstood by immature believers who fail to recognize the importance of you and me sitting under qualified pastors. Remember, we are we are we are we are, we are sheep. The Bible says we're sheep. The Bible says the pastor is our shepherd. And you know a sheep cannot find water or food on his own. If he wanders off, he's going to get lost, and he won't find his way back. So the key thought the author of this book brought forth is that too many Christians are under the Word of God, but not in the Word of God. And that that's not true. That doesn't gel in my brain. Here's the simple truth about the Word of God. It is an errant. That means there is no error in the Bible. It was in, no, I heard that one. What? What do you mean no errors? Look what it says here. Look what it says there. There are no errors in the Word of God. When you go to the original languages, God doesn't contradict himself. You may find errors in the translations, but not in the original manuscripts or as close as we have of the original manuscripts. There's no error. We know, secondly, that it was inspired by God the Holy Spirit, not human authors. 2 Timothy 3, 16 and 17 tells you that, that they were inspired by God the Holy Spirit, and he didn't affect their style, but he inspired them on what to write. We know that in its original form, the Bible is completely trustworthy without error. I say it again. And we know that the original manuscripts, the original letters that Paul wrote or Peter wrote, those original manuscripts have been long lost, lost many years ago. But... 
we have some very early copies of those original writings passed down and had been discovered, and they are amazingly accurate. So as a pastor teacher learns the languages, such as Hebrew and Greek, Aramaic, he studies the vocabulary. He studies the structure of the scripture. He can act as your guide for you. You can consider a well-qualified pastor to be your tour guide. He can show you around and explain what you're about to see. But without him, you would be left on your own to try to figure it out, and you're not going to do it. Very few people would study on their own to start with. And that's why face-to-face in a local church is so important. That's why a local church is mandated in the Bible. In Hebrews 10.25, do not forsake the assembling of yourselves together, as is the manner of some. Unfortunately, many believers enjoy the gifts from God, but they never get to know the giver. That's a shame. Listen to Jeremiah 9.24. Let him who glories receive his glory from this, that he understands me and he knows me, that I am the Lord who exercises loving kindness, justice, and righteousness in the earth, for it is in these things that I delight, saith the Lord. So here it is, obviously, God wants you to know him and to understand him. There is a difference between knowing God and understanding God. I have no doubt that many of you know God, but I do not know if you understand the God you know. He says he exercises loving kindness, justice, and righteousness. So here is the first question I have for you. What is your point of contact with God? What is your point of contact with God? The Bible says what the righteousness of of God rejects, the justice of God judges. We know he loves you. God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. Your point of contact with God is his justice. And on the cross, the justice of God provided for you. There on the cross, Jesus Christ, the anointed Son of God, took our, took our sin. He paid for it. And the righteousness of God will now accept us. He that knew no sin was made sin for us so that we could be made the righteousness of God through him. The only way that you and I could ever have any relationship with God is through the finished work of Christ on the cross who took our sin, gave us his righteousness. So if we understand the difference between God's love, God's justice, and God's righteousness, then we're on the way to understanding what God actually is. If we understand that he's eminent and he's transcendent, if we understand that he's immutable, that he's veracity, that he's eternal life, that he's omnipotence, omniscient, omnipresent, See how much there is to learn about God? You say, oh, I love God. Yes, you probably do know God. Do you understand him? Is it necessary to understand him? I would say so. I mean, certainly God wants you to understand him. He puts it right here. Let him who glories receive his glory from this, that he understands me and knows me. That's God's word. He wants you to understand him. He wants you to know what he approves of and what he doesn't approve of, how he can and may not bless you what he can and cannot do. So you have to remember that. The difference between knowing God and understanding God. We get to know him through Christ, but we get to understand him through the Bible. 
For example, when you first accepted Christ, you often think your point of contact with God is his love. But after you learn some doctrine, then you realize the point of contact is indeed his justice. God's justice guards his righteousness. And what the righteousness of God rejects, then the justice of God will always judge. Yep, it was the love of God that provided your redemption, no doubt about that. But it was the justice of God that demanded Christ go to the cross and pay for that. There was no other way for you or me to get it. No other way for God to give it to us than through Christ, who was judged on the cross for us. You know, if you're a mature believer, you don't get all emotional about God. You don't think God loves you today more than he did yesterday because today he was good and yesterday he was bad. God doesn't do that. You know, you get these ideas in your head that God's mad at me today because I failed him or God likes me today because I've been good. It doesn't work that way. And sometimes in church services, you hear preachers say that God was here with us tonight. We felt his presence. Well, the Holy Spirit indwells every person. God is omnipresent. He can be in your town and in my town at the same time. And since you have a good worship service or whatever you did, sang a bunch of songs, people cried, that doesn't mean more of God showed up. It means we got emotional. And emotions, they're genuine bona fide appreciator. There's nothing wrong with your loving God for what he did for you. But emotions are not designed to carry you through life. They're designed to appreciate. The spiritual life doesn't operate on emotions. No one can be mature spiritually without understanding the protocol plan of God. You must understand it. And once you pick up and maintain some spiritual momentum in your life, I mean by that you stay filled with the Holy Spirit every day and you take in God's word on a daily basis under a qualified pastor, then you begin to have your thinking renovated, as in Romans 12, 3. Stop thinking of yourself in terms of arrogance beyond what you should think. But think in terms of humility as God has assigned to each one of us a standard of thinking from his word. Then you can become spiritually independent. You begin to develop self-confidence from the word of God and you don't second guess yourself. When you start having that momentum in your life, you can meet and face adversity with maximum confidence, maximum perseverance. And you can live independent of human encouragement from other people. And you know, a wonderful thing about it, when you have some momentum spiritually, you have maximum use of those 10 problem-solving devices. You don't get into some sort of self-pity, subjective arrogance. And you have maximum contentment in your life, maximum happiness in your life. That's why it's important for you to become a spiritually mature believer. And live your life as unto God rather than unto man. Colossians 3.23, and whatsoever you do, do it from the soul as unto the Lord and not unto man. Spiritually mature believers do sin, yes. They do get carnal, yes. But he or she, like me or you, we will recover very quickly. You know, 
Paul said in Romans 7.15, he said, I don't understand myself at all because the things I don't want to do, I keep doing, and the things I want to do, I don't do. And that's because we have a sin nature. We have a sin nature that we got it from Adam. We're always going to have it. None of us are going to be perfect. And we'll get rid of it when we leave this side, go to the other side. When we die, when we put on our resurrection body, there is no sin nature. But I have a prayer that I pray. My prayer is that God will raise up men with the gift of pastor-teacher, maybe somebody that's listening to me today, men that will dedicate themselves to studying and teaching God's Word before we lose our impact internationally, before we lose the freedoms associated with America, the freedoms that allow us to evangelize the world through missionary activity and the freedom that allows us to build a sound, solid base of mature believers here at home and to support their activities with the teaching of the Word of God. We must have well-qualified pastors, not men that are cruise ship directors, not men that are run around and hold everybody's hand and tell them it'll be all right. My sister died with it, but you'll make it. Hang in there. That's not what we need. It's fine if the pastor wants to visit somebody in the hospital. But hopefully, if you wind up in the hospital, you have enough of the Word of God in your soul that you don't need the pastor to hold your hand and pray for you. It's always amazing to me. People say, pray for me. They don't have time for God the rest of their life, but when a crisis hits, the first thing they say, pray for me. See if you can get God to jump out of the box and make me well. Unfortunately, there's so much weird stuff in our nation. In the name of Christianity... Weird books, I mean, national bestsellers, stuff about dream your dreams and believe in yourself and God can empower you. Weird stuff, CDs, MP3s, music. It's a multi-million dollar industry in Christian entertainment. Videos, dramas, movies, all designed for one thing and one thing only. And if you think not, you are badly mistaken. They are designed to make a profit to make money. Listen to Jeremiah twenty three twenty five. I did not send these prophets, yet they ran. I have not spoken to them, yet they prophesied. But if they had stood in my counsel and had caused my people to hear my words, then they should have turned them from their evil ways. All the books, all the tapes, all the movies, all the videos, nothing's changed in the course of American history. We are still going downhill faster than a car with no brakes, and you know it, and I know it. Just look at the trends of history. You say, but we got a new president. Things are going to change. Well, we'll see. Does this mean you have an opportunity to grow spiritually? You think he's the one that's going to turn the country around? No, it's you. It's you. It's your spiritual life. Without you having a significant impact spiritually, this downhill race will never slow down. You must be the one. God has to deliver us from glad-handling religious entertainers who pass themselves off as some sort of pastor. These type of people that I'm talking about, and you got to forgive me for getting on my high horse here, but these sort of people, they do more to change the face of modern Christianity from a word-based faith to an eye-candy, emotional-type faith. Word-based faith. Sit down, open your Bible, get a notebook, listen, and learn. To where now we go to be entertained. Now we go to have a praise service. 
Now we go to sing the same song, 711, same verse 11 times. Now no one's growing. No one's learning anything. Oh, but they go away feeling so good. Their emotions got fired up, and at least until Monday morning or till they hit the traffic light or get to the local restaurant and there's no room in the line for you. Where is the hunger for truth in America? In American Christianity, where is the hunger for truth? Why do we sit there dazed and glazed every Sunday morning while this big Hollywood production entertains us and the pastor gives us some little 20-minute message that at very best is shallow and at worst it's not even true? Why is it so hard to find one person who seeks truth and is willing to get it the old-fashioned way? No one-shot decisions are going to make you the person you want to be. It's no such thing. No such thing as a one-shot decision to make you a mature believer. It is a daily pattern of growth under the filling of the Holy Spirit with the Word of God and a qualified pastor teaching it to you. Will you have problems? Sure. And you will recover from your problems. You will confess your sins. You will continue your spiritual life. And you will have an impact in the future of this country. So when are we going to get serious about spiritual growth? When are we going to begin to be consistent about our routine, our regiment of learning God's word, so you can advance the spiritual maturity? When will you get serious about this? Spiritual maturity? I showed you the verses. It's the objective for keeping you around after your salvation. Spiritual maturity starts off with you learning the protocol plan of God, making maximum use of those 10 problem-solving devices, being independent of advice or counseling or human encouragement. Spiritual maturity is you being a mentally stable believer, able to think in terms of the Word of God and apply the Word of God to every situation in your life. Mental stability for the believer is you putting God in front of your experience. It's you having maximum courage under evidence testing. It's you of having objective reality in the face of whatever comes along. And it's you avoiding self-righteous arrogance or some sort of moralistic orgy of Christian crusaders who want to think they're impressing God because they don't do something. There's a lot to learn, a lot to understand. And we got a long way to go. Please, listen to me. Grow in grace. Obey these commands. Find that pastor. Get under him. Study daily. And represent Jesus Christ to your generation before it's too late. Until next week, this is your host, Rick Hughes, saying thank you for listening to The Flatline. Thank you for listening to The Flatline with your host, Rick Hughes. If you'd like to contact Rick, please write to him at P.O. Box 100, Cropwell, Alabama, 35054, or online at www.rickhughesministries.org.